Hi, this is Danielle Krissa from The Jaws Curator, and this is episode 178 of Art for Your Ear. Well, considering I thought this season would be a little bit different, the past few episodes have in fact been old school, and here we are again today. Okay, look, this is not my fault. This is what happens when I come across artists by doing other projects, I hear a few minutes of their story, and then I inevitably end up begging them to come on the podcast. Well, enter New York-based artist and illustrator, Amber Vittoria. Amber and I have overlapped a lot during this quarantine on a bunch of projects, so clearly I took that as a sign from the universe to become her friend, i.e. get her on the podcast. (laughs) Okay, now I feel like I sound like one of those old record commercials, but you might recognize Amber's work from such things as the New York Times. K-Swiss, Refinery29, Warby Parker, Marc Jacobs, Gucci, and Adidas, just to name a few. (laughs) Yep, that is quite a list, and that is not even close to her whole client roster. Okay, while she did in fact get my attention with Gucci, what really interested me was her subject matter. Amber works almost exclusively with the female form, which, you guessed it, I asked her about, and spoiler alert, Amber worked in advertising at the beginning of her career and found that she just could not relate at all to the the images of women that she was having to use all the time. So she started creating her own very stylized bodies. Anyway, we will get into all of that. We're going to start at the beginning about her being an art kid and we will work our way up to those stories. Now, we recorded this a couple of weeks ago, knee-deep in lockdown. So, here we go, talking to Amber, quarantined in her New York apartment. Hi, Amber. Hi! How are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. You're tucked away. Are you Are you in Brooklyn or New York, or where are you? I am in Manhattan. Nice. So, like, near the Flatiron, Gramercy Park area. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so, um... How's it going? Like, are you feeling like trapped? Or I, I know when we talked um, a couple of weeks ago for that Showfields thing, you were saying that you were like getting out for a walk every day. Yeah, still doing that. So I just walk around Gramercy Park every day, unless it's raining, then I just walk around my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this weekend, I walked down into the East Village and back, which is the furthest that I've been from my apartment in about six weeks. So that was wild. I was like, whoa, life exists outside of the five block radius <laughs> from my home. What was it like? I heard that the, the people were out in droves in New York, but I, I don't know if that was just like doctored photos or if that felt real. Um, I, from what I saw online, that looks real. And as sad as it is, the one silver lining to it is like eventually when I do venture to do walks further than five blocks from my apartment um, to not go in those areas. Uh, But the area that we live in, I guess um, serendipitously is pretty commercial. So all the stores are closed, all the offices are closed and there aren't too many apartment buildings. So it's not very residential. Okay. So where I am, it's pretty empty. I mean, sadly the sidewalks are smaller. So everyone has been wearing face masks, which is great just because six feet is really tough unless you walk out into the street, which I'll do if I can, but traffic and stuff. Um, 
Yeah, but those are a few of my friends that live like on the west side and in Brooklyn were saying that it's a bit more difficult just because I feel like the residential population density is a bit more there. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's funny because where I am, like I'm, you know, we're in a tiny town and um, I can still go for a run and not see anybody. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) You know, so it is it is really nice. And then like, you know, I mean, it was it's like that not during a quarantine too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so you just don't really realize. And then you see all these pictures and it's like, you know, I used to live downtown Toronto, like right, right downtown. And, um, I, my husband and I were saying, that's where we lived when we first got married. We were like, wow, it'd be so different if we were there, yeah. you know, than compared to where we are now. So yeah, it's just interesting. Everybody's experience depending on where they are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Anywho, Corona, mm-hmm. Corona. Okay. So, Basically, um, I love your work, and um, we did the Showfields thing together, and that's why I got to hear yeah. a little bit of your story, and I thought, ooh, come on the podcast and tell the whole story. So yes. um, let's start at the beginning, and um, I want to hear where you grew up and if you were an artsy kid. Yeah, so I grew up an hour and a half north of New York City in a town called Patterson, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And that area is definitely a bit more rural. I would say if you go north, for those not familiar with the layout of New York State, um, if you go north of Manhattan County, there's Westchester County, and then above that is Putnam County, and that's where I grew up. I feel like Westchester is a bit more suburban, and then Putnam County is where it becomes a bit more rural. So I loved playing outside and Um, I loved drawing and painting, and that was just something that I always enjoyed doing. And I was really fortunate that my parents picked up on that at a pretty young age. So they asked me, they're like, oh, do you want to take art classes outside of school? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So (laughs) I took like a lot of like fun, like I guess I was like at like a recreation center now that I'm thinking back on it. And like just like fun, like life drawing classes and like classes about color for like kids, like seven-year-olds yeah that's (laughs) awesome um so it was really fun and that's kind of when I started to fall in love with making art that's what do you have siblings I do I have a younger brother um I'm turning 30 in a few weeks and he is going to be 28 um and he also loved making drawing and making art and then I don't know as he grew older he kind of grew out of it now he's an MD PhD candidate at Boston University, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's very, very smart. Well, um, I was I was going to ask if you were both, because sometimes, you know, like I was the, there's three of us in our family, and I was the artist, and the other two didn't really do it. And so I was just curious if, uh, if he, was he taking those classes with you too when you guys were little, or no? No, not as much. Some of them, I think, maybe, but I, for whatever reason, I feel like the classes that I took were age specific. And I guess even just like a two year age difference was enough, I guess, between the ages of five and seven to put us in the same class, but we still have his, my parents still have his sketchbooks and they're so good. And um, we both share my Adobe like creatives week because for his like lab presentations, he'll like illustrate things. I'm like, see, you're still very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah." Um, and so, when he hears this, but he's very <laughs> oh, such a nice big sister. Um, and so when you were living there, was were you always like, ooh, I'd like to live in New York? Was that like a thing that you wanted to do when you grew up? Yeah, so initially, uh, I probably didn't start going to the city with my parents until I was like a little older. The nice thing, it was really close. Yeah. I mean, 
train and there's like an hour and a half, two hour train ride um, to get down to the city. And I just really loved how you can like walk around and there was everything there. And I was like, Ooh, I want to live here. This is cool. <laughs> um, but like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really think of it too seriously. And then as I got older and I was in high school and I started applying to colleges um, I knew I wanted to go to school for graphic design just because I thought that was an easy way to experiment with all the different types of art in one major versus having to pick ahead of time. Mm. Um, so there weren't really too many schools that like aligned with like, you know, like budgeting and like wanting to be a designer and having that type of a program. Um, so I didn't really, I don't think I got into any schools in New York City, but I ended up going to school in Boston, which was a nice, I think, in hindsight, baby step into Manhattan, because Boston is a smaller, more quaint um, version of New York City, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, that's a good step to take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you could have handled New York, too, given that you, you know, went in there and stuff. But um, so when when you were in high school, were you, so I guess you were still making art all the time. Were you sort of the art kid in high school? I would say there's quite a few kids, at least in my grade, that were really into art. In terms of if they continued on to art, I'm actually not too sure. Um, but it was nice to kind of have like a group of people that really enjoyed making art and were really supportive of each other. Um, I guess that also extends into my college experience too, that they're really, it wasn't very competitive, which I know that a lot of um, my artist friends have experienced like a little bit more competition while they were younger and in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was pretty fun to not have that. It was just like coming into really safe space and just, you know, making work that spoke to you. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. did you get to dabble? Like, so if you're doing graphic design, were you, were you also able to do painting classes and things like that? Yeah. So oh. in, I didn't really learn what design was until the towards the end of high school. So all of my classes were drawing and painting. Um, and was there, I feel like, I don't know if our high school had like any sort of sculpture class, but into college, the first uh, two years were very heavily fine art based, which is why I think I netted out to be an illustrator as an adult um, now <laughs> that I've got some time from college. Um, so the first few years of um, school and college were all fine art. So it was drawing, painting, sculpture, and printmaking. Mm. And then the last two years were where we started to have design concepts and thinking kind of introduced into our cur- curriculum. Um, so a lot of us were very illustrative designers, um, which I thought was really great. The fact that we could really experiment with all these like different types of mediums and then not really have to decide one for our major just because design allowed you to play with all of them to tell a story. Mm-hmm, that's really cool. So could could you split? Because there's some programs like that where you have like two years of foundation and then the last two years you either go the fine art route or the design route? Or did everybody go the design way? Oh, so um, the majors then were painting, sculpture, and graphic design, and oh. then you can minor, minor in photography and printmaking. And now I feel like they made printmaking a major, which is awesome. The printmaking studio at BU was, I guess, is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Um, it was really nice. And the fact that like, even if you were a painting major, like you could easily take design classes or easily take printmaking classes. And if you were a designer, you can easily take um, sculpture and painting classes. My senior thesis, actually, um, I'm surprised my professors entertained this idea, were like all sculptural thesis. So, and I was a design major. So wow. it was really nice. It was really nice to just kind of have the freedom to experiment and play. Okay. What school was this? At Boston University's College of Fine Arts. It sounds like a freaking dream. It was really cool. The <laughs> teachers were very chill. Because, like, you know, some some programs are like, you know, and at the time, like, my design major was pretty much print-based. I feel like web interactive and social media design, I mean, they were things professionally, but not so much taught in school yet, at least in our program. Mm -hmm. So it was very print-based. So, um it was really nice to not have to stick to like making a book or like doing like a grid system for like a novel or for a magazine, even though we did those as assignments. Like it was really nice that our thesis didn't really have to stick to that type of a structure as a mm -hmm. designer. Well, what were your sculptures? What did you make so them out of? They were, they're, I have to find a photo. <laughs> they're probably <laughs> at my parents' house, not the sculptures. Those are sadly long gone because they were quite big. Um, so in school, I, I feel like, like a lot of students graduating, you know, you kind of have your whole life planned out where it's like you go to elementary school, middle school, high school, and then college. And then depending on your major, you might move on to studies beyond that. But for me, the end of undergrad was kind of like the end of everything that had been kind of scripted for me. So I was very afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that reflected in a lot of my work. So for my thesis, they were like very large sculptures made out of like wire which is like a wire body and like a paper mache like shell. And then on top of that, it was like faux fur. And oh. the idea is that they're very like abstracted shapes, which if you look at my work now, they're similar in shape, um, but they would be suspend from the ceiling. And the idea was like, it showed what your soul would look like after you've passed away. And at the time I just kind of made it cause I thought it was interesting. And I was like, I don't know, these are cool. I'm going to make them. This is my thesis. <laughs> and, um, now that I've been out of school for about, yeah, a little over eight years now. Um, I definitely think that that has a direct parallel to that fear of like what the unknown was for me. Um, and just kind of like embracing that fear. So that was my thesis as a graphic designer. Oh my God, that's fan that is fantastic. I had a drawing teacher. I, I did not have a good school experience, but one teacher that I loved, and I've actually written about her in one of my books because I just worshipped her so much, Elspeth Pratt. She was a sculptor. She still is an amazing um, sculptor, but she was my drawing teacher. Mm -hmm. And um, she basically said to us, um, like, I don't care what you do. Like, we can consider anything drawing. And so people were doing sculpture and doing all sorts of stuff. But you just had to present your plans as a drawing. And then you could do whatever you wanted. And uh, she was so great because she just really let you be free. And it sounds like, you know, the same kind of experience, which is so, so great. Yeah, and that was like that actually reminds me of my um, drawing teacher. Her name is Dana Frankfurt. She's a painter. One day, when I live in a bigger apartment, I'm gonna buy one of her paintings. <laughs> um, but she was very similar. It reminded me of your experience. Like she would just like let us draw in like whatever we wanted to draw, and then she'd like come over and like flip our drawings upside down and have us draw. And she was just like the idea is like nothing is precious. You're just making 
making what you see and making what you feel and like that's the most important thing uh, so yeah it's really fun to have teachers like that just because I feel like that teaches you more than like learning how to draw a skeleton accurately yeah or yeah a skull accurately which I had zero interest in and was quite horrible at <laughs> <laughs> me too um okay so well I'll, do you still do sculpture now I, um, I've collaborated with like a few like 3d sculpture studios to kind of translate my illustrations into like 3d printed pieces. Um, I was actually, ironically that you said that I was thinking of like looking at some like self drying clay just to experiment with. Yes. Um, I just bought some. It's still, how is it? I don't know. Cause it's in the box. You have to let me know. I'm like looking up reviews. I'm like, none of these are helpful. (laughs) Well, I went to my local art store. I love them. They're, they're so helpful. And I was like, I am obsessed with other people's ceramics, but I don't have access to a kiln and blah, blah, blah. And so, um, they said, well, there's this really great self-drying clay, um, that you could try. And so I've done one thing with it, but I, I lined a, um, sea urchin. (laughs) bought these really beautiful pink um, delicate sea urchins when I was in Hawaii and so I was afraid I glued them into this mixed media piece and I was afraid I mean they're so fragile so I lined the inside of them with the clay so that they're just more substantial Um, that's all I've done so far but it was so fun to work with. It was so smooth and you could like, I was expecting it to be like rock hard and really hard to manipulate. And it wasn't, it was lovely. And then when it dried, it was really nice. So that was my goal for this quarantine was like crack open that box of clay. I've talked about it on the podcast so many times. I still haven't done it. What? I don't know why. You'll get there. I feel like too, like whenever I experiment with new things, like I, um, just because I live in a small apartment, it's really tough to do things like paint and sculpt. Um, but painting's a little easier, especially with acrylic paint, just because there's no turpentine involved. Yeah. <laughs> Pass out like, in your apartment. Yeah, I'm not gonna like kill me or my fiance <laughs> trying to make a painting. Um, so I've been experimenting with like uh, acrylic painting recently just throughout quarantine but the same thing it took me a while to just like open up the paint and actually paint I don't know for it just I needed to mentally be ready after the order came in <laughs> I know you know that's the thing is like that, um, these interviews that I've done during this quarantine time is so interesting because most people are in a funk <clears throat> most yeah. people are feeling like and and I thought when it all started oh this is great I love being home anyway I'm such a homebody and I was like awesome like I've got like what they're saying two two weeks to a month to like just stay inside I'm like oh my god I'm gonna make so much art I've barely made anything um every day I have great great plans to do it and I do weird things like cut stuff out like for my collage stuff so I've got bowls and bowls Mm -hmm. of cut out things but for some I'm just having a really hard time being like you know I, I was thinking about it yesterday and I think what it is is that and this is so bad because I tell everybody else to keep making art through this, but I feel like, what's the point? Like, it feels like the world <laughs> is going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know. It just, everything seems so much bigger yeah. than what I'm making. And so it just feels selfish. I don't know. I don't know what it is and I can't shake it. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, and I feel like I, I definitely felt like that in the beginning, and then 
I just, I, I've known this for a while, but like I've kind of come to re-realize that the best way that I could kind of express like my thoughts and points of view tend to be through art. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of gradually just started making things for myself and then I started sharing them online. And even though we can't like physically to connect, it's really nice when people like leave comments like, oh, this really resonated with me or like, that's really lovely that you shared that. So that kind of helped me get out of that funk a little bit to be mm-hmm. able to kind of like express my thoughts and but I was using the like the way I traditionally make work illustrations which is part digital and part with ink just because that felt more natural and easier but like experimentation has been a little more difficult during this time for whatever reason so so maybe that's what I need to avoid is because I was thinking of this as an experimentation time maybe I just need to um, because I was saying that yesterday too to my husband that you know what usually makes me feel better is exactly that like expressing myself through whatever I'm making but then I'm not making anything so I think it's just bottling up and bottling up and it's kind of getting worse and worse because I have to let it out mm-hmm. maybe today's the day yeah 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 and if I, not that's okay too yeah, that's like I, I'm trying to be easy on myself I'm like eh, we're going through a pandemic which only happens once a century-ish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the statistics on how often they happen, but I feel like it's one of those like once-in-a-lifetime situations. I sure hope so. Well, and then did you hear about the, the, the murder wasps that have arrived? Oh, oh my God. Literally, <laughs> I was just like, after we were in quarantine, I was like, you know what, 2020, bring it on. Yeah. That article, and I was like, I lied. I can't handle regular bees. I don't want the murder bees. I don't want them. Take them back. I know. My friend Trey posted on Facebook, like, um, you know, oh, murder, murder wasps have arrived, and I just commented, cool. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, sure. Bring on the and murder wasps. Like, what are like, you talking about? I was like, I thought it was supposed to be locusts. Why? Why are there oh, murder? That's what I thought they were at first when I saw the photo, and I stupidly read the article to see, like, (laughs) the stinging feels like. Oh, God. Um, But at first, I I don't know the proper name of the bugs, um, but in upstate New York, not upstate, downstate New York, but north of Manhattan, people that live in Albany would get mad at me if I said upstate. (laughs) Um, There are, like, there are cicadas. Oh, yeah. These, like, cicada killer bugs. They have a proper name, but they kill cicadas, and they look exactly like those murder wasp but they don't hurt you they just they sound like a helicopter when they fly by you but they kind of mind their own business that's what I thought they were I was like oh those aren't murder bees and then I read the article and was like oh no those are different okay (laughs) I know I was just like I can't even I I don't know and that like watching the news has just pushed me over the edge so I'm trying to um trying to go for a nice walk every morning Everything around here is just exploding. And so I went for a walk yesterday and I stopped purposely and smelled every flower. So I smelled some lilacs and I smelled some apple blossoms and some cherry blossoms. And I was like, okay, ah, back to good. So I'm feeling a lot better today. I think I might have to do that, you know, again, like religiously is the smelling of the flowers. That's that. Oh, that would, that would make your allergies go crazy though. I still do it. (laughs) I take my allergy medicine every morning and like I've had pretty bad seasonal allergies my whole life. So I'm like, I'm pretty good at like maintaining them and then wearing the face mask. Ironically, I'll wear face masks around this time of year anyway. Um, 
So like that plus the sunglasses kind of helps. So I could smell it and like I'll still smell it through the face mask, but it's not like pollen all up in my nose. Right, so right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I'm still asking for it, but yeah. I yeah. Smell. Well, I stuck and my we, I stuck my nose into a blossom, and I was like, oh my god, what if there's a killer wasp in there? Oh no! <laughs> where are they? Where they're located in like Washington State? Yeah, there's there's something about them sneaking up into Canada. Um, yeah, I'm just above Washington State. And yeah. I live in like the main um, uh, industry here is is orchard, so we oh. are completely surrounded by. We have a um, wine vineyard below us and to the side of us, and then an apple orchard uh, on the other side, and then in front of us is um, a peach and cherry orchard. Oh, that sounds so nice. It's really beautiful. It would kill you with your allergies. It's really really beautiful. <laughs> but um, and the people that live beside us have um, beehives, and so there's bees everywhere and we have a like a big garden and we make sure that we you know we don't mow the dandelions we take care of the bees we're like you know but then I'm like hmm am I inviting a murder wasp into my life hopefully not I think they're trying to I think they're trying to get rid of them somehow yeah I hope I hope they do I know quite terrifying I know it's just it's just so at this stage comical because it's like I I don't even know I don't even know, yeah. 2020, what you are thinking you're doing. But anyway, okay, so um, you go to school. You graduate from school. So you're in mm-hmm. Boston. What did you do when you finished school? So I uh, graduated, and then I moved home. My parents were really um, nice to let me move back home for a while. I So that's like, you know, two-ish hours north of New York City. And I started finding you trying to apply for jobs, like any type of graphic design job. And while I was like my senior and junior year of college um, into after I graduated, I was doing like a lot of freelance projects. And a lot of them I just found on Craigslist because that's the only place that I could really think of to look for just like one-off projects. And some of them were illustrative and then some of them were design-based. And that's kind of where I started to realize that I wanted to illustrate more seriously. Um, But I still applied for full-time design jobs just because like that was what I went to school for and I did love it, but this whole idea of illustrating started to creep up right at the end of college and then into the beginning of adulthood post-school. And that was really nice to be able to do that and be at home, Um, that's definitely a privilege that I thank my parents for every day. Mm-hmm. And I would say about six months after I graduated, I found my first full-time design job. And I was a web designer at Victoria's Secret. Oh. So, yeah, um, which definitely, yeah, we'll, we'll get into how that's impacted my work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the nice thing was like the office itself wasn't too far from Grand Central. So I commuted from home. Every day, so it's like about two hours in, two hours home every day, which was tiring. But there have been people that do that for longer than I've been alive. And yeah. So that kind of put it in perspective. I remember I did it for like, it was like two months into it. I did it for about seven, eight months total before I moved into the city. Okay. And um, I was like, oh my God. And I remember this one gentleman would sit like across from me every day and he was like, yeah, I've been doing this for a. 35 years? How old are you? 23? Yeah, okay. (laughs) And I was like, oh my god, 35 years of computing? Um, So that definitely put it in perspective. Um, Yeah, like how many years of his life, if you added up all that commuting? Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know how people do it. I feel like some people, though, like I would notice, like they would um, commute in early in the morning, but then they would hop on an earlier train back home and just like work two hours on the train. So there are definitely jobs that are more flexible, but it was that balance of like wanting to live in a little more space and like raise your kids where they can like play in a lawn and have space to like bike ride and run around. Um, But still, most of the jobs are in New York City. So that's kind of the area I grew up in. Um, but yeah, so I was at Victoria's Secret for about a year and a half and everyone there is really lovely. That was like my first experience of like learning how to work with a bigger team and just like how to communicate with people like on a very fast paced type of a job. And I was definitely the youngest by a lot. And, um, they were all very like, they all ended up becoming like some form of like a mentor and like really nurtured and like encouraged me um eventually when I left to like leave which was really nice because like um I was at Victoria's Secret and it was nice to work on one brand and kind of like you know sink my teeth in it but I started to get a little antsy and I knew that I wanted to work for myself eventually I really liked illustrating but I didn't know if that would be a thing but I knew that I wanted to be my own boss one day and that a skill that I didn't have at the time was to work on multiple brands at once and really learning how to kind of like switch gears between projects just because Victoria's Secret was all the same brand, all the same messaging and aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when I started to look for jobs at agencies. And when I left Victoria's Secret, they're just like, oh, you're young. So it's good. It's a good skill for you to have. And you're young, so you'll be able to handle it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, they're all, and they're like, you know, if you ever want to come back, you know, there's always a spot for you, which is really nice. Um, so I found a design job at an agency called Vayner Media. They, at the time, they did predominantly social media advertising. Now they do, I think, like social media, television, and other types of media. Um, and there was a designer for a little bit. And then I uh, became an art director and I was there for about two and a half years. And that's really where I learned so many things. I met my, I met my fiance there, which is really great. Mm. Uh, and I learned how to work on more than one brand, which was super important, especially for what I do now. Uh, just be able to switch gears pretty easily. So I was really fortunate to have learned that there. And then also how to use social media to share the work that I make. So um, that's what I learned there. But as uh, my friends at Victoria's Secret said, that uh, hours got a little tough. I feel like like any agency or agency life <laughs> role, you have, to be, yeah, you have to be pretty flexible um, with your what first personal life and your boundaries and uh in the beginning it was fine I was like oh this is great this is new I'm loving it you know I'm flexible and by the end I was like okay I'm over this yeah <laughs> I want to like I want to like I would be like how do I feel well and it's like oh because you haven't eaten all day or oh you haven't gone to the bathroom yet because you haven't gotten up from your computer and like that's just not healthy yeah anyway slice it so um I did that for but, years. I worked in agencies for years and years, and same thing. Like, at least you had your your boyfriend now, fiance there, <clears throat> because that was the same with me. My, I met my husband at work, and then we just traveled together as a little team, and we, you know, worked at all these agencies together. And uh, at least when you're working till four in the morning, oh I, I was hanging out with him, and you know, everybody at the agencies where I worked were our age and so they became your friends so it became your social life right but then I was like yeah same thing I was like 
oh, why am I chronically ill? Yeah, uh, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I was like, why am I always sick? I never used to get sick. Why am I sick all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, no, it's like, I don't think 90 hours a week is normal. Um, yeah, it was just... I mean, I have so many good memories of it, but at the same time, I was like, this is not sustainable. Like, I remember um, we were, we'd moved from Toronto to Vancouver, and I was a creative director at an agency and um, of online design, and uh, we were trying to get pregnant, and um, we tried a couple of times, had, nothing happened, and I was working on a huge project for Nintendo, and I, I don't know, I was just having panic attacks but I didn't know what a panic attack was. I didn't, I didn't know what they were. So I was like, couldn't catch my breath. I would like, felt like I was having a heart attack. <clears throat> and I was like, That's I need, terrifying. yeah. And I was like, I need to get out of here immediately. And so we went for a walk. Cause again, we still work together. So we went for a walk, went and got some air, went and got a frappuccino <laughs> and yeah. sat outside of a Starbucks and I was sobbing. I like, I couldn't, I couldn't catch my breath. And Greg was like, okay, Let's try one more month to get pregnant if, because we get a year mat leave if you're working somewhere, right? <clears throat> so he said, let's try one more month. If we don't get pregnant, quit and we will, you know, because this is, you know, and we'll figure it out. And if you do get yep. pregnant, stay because we'll get the mat leave. And I was yep. like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, I got pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I'm staying here. So, um, I stayed, but I knew there was an end date. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think that always helps. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the problem with this pandemic is nobody knows the end date. But yeah. I knew the end date. And so I was like totally fine after that. But I knew um, I, I, <clears throat> I left advertising after that. <clears throat> after Charlie was born, I just never went back. I started freelancing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's <clears throat> Yeah. Um, and I feel like, yeah, the end date definitely helps. Because, like, when I was at Vayner, like, definitely got to a point where I'm like, I am so unhappy. And, like, Dave, he said that. He's like, yeah, you're, like, I was just, like, irritable. And I would take it out on everybody. And that's when it becomes super unhealthy. Because, like, not only are you, like, affecting yourself, you're affecting the people that mean the most to you. So I was like, yeah, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, all, I, and all this time, had you been still making art on your own? Or did you just not even have time for that? So I did, but then it waned. And that's when I like kind of like did a self audit. I'm like, okay, why am I unhappy outside of the obvious, like not eating, sleeping, having a life, um, <laughs> which is like, you know, <laughs> I mean, pretty major things. Um, and then I was like, you know why? Because I'm not doing my own work as much anymore. And I was like, I want to do more of it. Like I still was lucky enough that like when I did have the emotional capacity, like on a weekend to just like make something for myself, even if it was just a sketch, like I felt better. Yeah. Like I need to be doing more of this. I was doing more of this while I was at Victoria's Secret. Like I, I need to figure out a way to get back to that. So that's when I started to look for full-time work that had like a proper like nine to five. I didn't mind if I went designer from being an art director. I realized at that time, like, I could care less about climbing the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's just like not for me. Um, and that took a while to kind of accept too, just because I feel like, you know, we're told like, that's your path as a creative, you're a designer, then art director, and then, you know, associate creative director, creative director, and like, that's your life. And like, that that's great. Um, and that's great for some people, but I realized that um, that wasn't for me. So mm -hmm. I found a design job at Avon, 
Oh, they're like, yeah, they're uh, they're still around, which I didn't know until I applied for the job there. <laughs> That's awesome. And, yeah, so and Avon was really lovely just because they cared a lot more about people's well-being. Um, I know since I've left that they've kind of changed like ownership a few times, so it's probably a little bit different than it was when I was there. Um, but being able to just like get into work at nine and leave at five physically gave me back so many hours in the day which was great. So I'd get up early and work on my own stuff. And then I'd come home and work on my own stuff. And then emotionally not feeling like you have to respond to an email at one o'clock in the morning or like that <laughs> you're going to get a call saying that you have to get up early and go to a photo shoot. Like just like that relief of not having to worry as much. Yeah. It really helped me to like make work that I really loved and I wanted to start sharing and putting out in the world more seriously, just because a lot of my illustration work up until that point, I really kept to myself unless it was like a freelance project that I found um, just because I just didn't have the time or the confidence to put it out there. And eventually when I had that emotional and physical time back, I started making work that really felt like me and I felt confident to share with other people. And so through Instagram and stuff, you mean? Yeah. yeah. So I started, I'm like, you know, like most, most millennials and we all had Instagram and I just like post really bad filtered photos. Um, <laughs> but, and then I started to put my illustrations out there and a lot of my friends were like, oh my goodness, like where did this come from? And I was like, oh, like I've always kind of drawn my figures like this. I've just, you know, gotten it to a point where I feel confident enough to share it outside of my sketchbook and so I would just tell everyone shamelessly I was like hey I'm making art you need art for a thing let me know <laughs> here's my Instagram and then slowly but surely um, as I started to share more and more of my work and gain like confidence to just kind of like put it out into the universe um, I was really lucky that people really responded to it and related to the women that I was depicting in those pieces and so let's talk about your women yeah. Um, and what, so, and did Victoria's Secret play a part in, in. Definitely. Yeah. And like, and initially I remember a few years ago, someone asked me that question. I was like, oh, I, uh, I don't know. I would have to probably. <laughs> and now that I've had more, some more time with it, I'm like, definitely. I feel like, um, even though I was a web designer, we would have to retouch photos that were shot vertically. So they would fit horizontally on web. Right. And that touching wasn't like that of the actual like outfit slash skin or face that was done by a professional retouch team. But like adding in the beach background or the pink background we would do and just like looking day in and day out at like a very specific depiction of womanhood definitely knocked on my confidence because when you're looking at like very thin very blonde very tall Caucasian woman day in and day out if you don't fit that mold you start to question yourself um, and that was really one of the main reasons why I started making figures and putting them out there because it's like I need to make work that I can relate to like because if I'm struggling and I'm tall and Caucasian then like lord knows how many other people are struggling to find themselves in art and in advertising that's kind of like being put in front of our faces consistently so that was definitely one of the big drivers behind why all of my work focuses on um, the story of women 
I love it. I love it so, so much. And it's just so funny because I knew that part of your story, but I didn't know the Victoria's Secret part. And it's just yeah. so it's just so cool because it kind of all puts it together. But you know what's interesting is your color palette totally reminds me of a mix of Victoria's Secret and Avon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. I never thought about that. <laughs> That is so true. It's so true, right? And even like, um, we're going to get to it, but like the, the project that you did with um, your Facebook residency, I love that entire series so much. Um, but there's some, the, a few of those pieces are kind of have like a, and I want to ask you how you did them without giving all your secrets mm-hmm. away, but it almost looks like spray paint or something. Like they're kind of gauzy, like those balls of... Yeah. And that totally reminds me of Avon. I have this obsession with Avon because my grandmother, who means everything, she's my, apparently, according to psychics, my guardian angel, and um, she was an Avon lady. Stop. That's yes. awesome. Yes. Back in the day, and she would wear her little, you know, fancy hats and, you know, whatever, and go and, and she had this room in her house that they called the Avon room. Um, it was just a little, basically a closet that was painted powder pink, and it was just filled with all of her samples, and then it had a mirror and a seat. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. Do you have I a photo would... of this room? No. And then they changed oh. it in, like, they, um, she and my grandpa renovated it and turned it into a little bathroom with blue wallpaper um, when I was a teenager. But when I was little, I would, when we would go to visit them, I was like, can I go to the Avon room? Oh, my and God. And I would just go and sit in there because it smelled like powder and perfume and lipstick. I love that. That is awesome yeah and I'm still trying to figure out a way to recreate that in my art like to without being totally literal and putting little lipsticks in there but um there was just it was this powdery amazing and that's what I loved about those those pieces from Facebook that that spray it almost looks like blush put on you know what I mean and so when you when you said Avon I was like oh my god (laughs) it's completely what it reminded me of and um so, yeah, I just think it's hilarious that you didn't even realize that until right now. Yeah, actually. So, like, a lot of my colors are inspired by nature, just especially springtime. Like, I love – the goal is to see all the national parks. We were supposed to go to Olympic National Park for my birthday in June, oh, oh. which I don't think will happen. But, eh, when I turn 31, we'll go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so a lot of my palettes are inspired by nature. But for that Facebook project in specific, so the re- residency there was, I guess, predicated off of the fact that everything had to be done on a risograph printer, which they had and it was awesome and and had you done them had you done them before nope (laughs) so like I've done in school I did screen printing woodcut lithograph and um I forget what else I've done in school but never risograph so I was like okay this is interesting because you know, the ideal max combination for colors is like three to four. And I use 6,000 colors in my work. And I wanted to, the idea that I came, had going into that residency was to make work that depicted women like going to work or women at work. And the idea behind it was that, you know, everyone comes from a different background. And while we're at work, we should respect each other's background and really champion it. So the idea of like the bright colors was really more of like an emotional play on people's different ideas and points of view um so the kind of like blushy 
shapes came from. I did a few drawings two years ago, and I accidentally had my brush in Photoshop set to soft and not hard edged. And I just like made a stroke and I was like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> and so I started to play with that. And every so often that will appear in my work. That tends to kind of appear in the fall winter time because it's cold outside. And they <laughs> kind of remind me of like fuzzy, warm coats. Um, so when I was at Facebook, it was February and it was still cold. And that I thought was an interesting way to like play with two or three colors and still create a form that a felt appropriate for the like workplace where they're fully clothed because a lot of my work sometimes um, features women that don't have like a full outfit on. So I wanted to be cognizant of that as well, just because these are being hung around an office. <laughs> and so I, um, that's really where I started to play with those brushes. So really all it is, is you take the Photoshop brush and you set it to the softest setting and then you just like make very large gestural strokes. And for the printing of the colors where it kind of looks like they're like multiplied on each other. Yeah. Um, that's just going through the risograph printer. So I would just, they had a whole beautiful printed piece of paper of like what colors would look like at different opacities. So it's like, if you use this neon pink over this yellow and the pink is 70% and the yellow is 100%, this is the orange you'll get. So I really started to kind of play with color that way because I could only be limited to three colors in the actual art file, but then really like five or six colors just because of the layering of the ink. So and did really, you love it? Like, did, yes. did yeah. I was like, also trying to buy a risograph printer, and I was like, A, they're expensive, and B, we don't have room for one. Yeah. <laughs> it would literally replace our sofa. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, um, and Facebook's really lovely. They were like, yeah, if you ever want to come back and, like, use it for yourself, just let us know. Obviously, with being in quarantine, that hasn't happened yet. But, you know, when we open back up and things, you know, probably in the next year or two are a little bit more back to normal, I'll definitely take them up on that just because it's so fun to play with and yeah. experiment. I've never played with one, but I really – printmaking was one of my favorite things at university. I spent all my time in there. I was a painting major – why I didn't switch to being a printmaking major, I have no idea. But I just love it. And um, do you know um, Kate Bingham-Umbert? She's an illustrator good. and an artist based in Portland. You would love her. Look her up. She um, And she has, she opened a studio called ooh, Outlet, I think. And it's just risograph printers. And oh, yeah, Outlet. Yes. Yeah, and she, yeah, Outlook PDX, and so she hosts workshops, but she basically uses it for herself, but she, she hosts workshops and stuff, and um, and oh. it just, I was like, the next time I'm coming to Portland, I'm going straight there, and she was like, yeah, 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 so I'm going to try it there, but, so was this Facebook thing just in this, like, just past February? Yeah, so, oh. and I was lucky because, like, it was six weeks, and I finished it a week before New York City kind of shut down, two weeks wow. before New York City kind of shut down. Yeah, and they have different outposts at different Facebook offices across the globe, Yeah. Um, but they tried to pick artists that are local to one of the ones in the area, so I went to the New York one, which yeah, was really Yeah, and cool. I, I didn't know they did that because I, I saw, I got to tour the um, San Francisco um campus and um I met with the curator there and and saw all of the mural projects that they actually do you know they bring artists in to like create work in the building but I didn't know mm -hmm. about this residency thing yeah so it's like um so it's the that's called the murals are called artist in residence okay. so like you said they commission an artist to make like an installation or a mural and then the print 
focused um, residency is called design in residency. So they usually will hire either graphic designers or illustrators. They've obviously branched off and hired like painters and things like that for that residency as well. But that's their differentiation. Wow, that's so cool. And how did that come about? Did they approach you? Like, did they find you on Instagram or did you apply or how did that work? Yeah, so most of the work I find, I I email and I do my own outreach. I'd say like 90% of my projects. I'm like, hey, hire me. So for Facebook, I was like, <laughs> I had to, when she reached out to me, I was like, oh, I had to have applied. And uh, her name's Justine and she's awesome. And uh, I was just like, yeah, did I like, did I apply a while ago? And she was like, um, we don't have, we don't have an application. She's like, I just found your work on Instagram and I've been following you for a while and I really love it. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> So that was one of those cases where they found me through the beauty of the internet, which is really cool. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, well then this is an excellent segue into, you have a lot of very cool brands uh, in your portfolio. Um, you know, stuff like Warby Parker, Marc Jacobs, Gucci. <laughs> so yeah. those situations, what was that you reaching out, like being like, hi there, I'm yeah, in charge. So- um Warby Parker so that you listed actually like the few that have reached out to me oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but no it's a combo it's a healthy combo so Warby Parker um the art director there he reached out to me and it was really great because in all of their stores each mural is by a different artist it's installed so um I believe all of them are installed so uh we make the digital work and then they print it and then they have it professionally installed okay. and he reached out to me because it's the shop on Newberry Street which is in Boston and he found out found out I went to college in Boston and really loved that relationship um so I was like, I used to walk on Newberry all the time and window shop because I had no money and couldn't buy anything. <laughs> but um, so that was really interesting for Gucci. I actually I reached out to them and that was definitely a labor of love because I was like, I love Gucci everything. I love how they work with all different types of artists and like they're very loose in terms of like their interpretation of what luxury is and their aesthetics. Just, it really it really resonated with me. So I tried to guess everyone's email. I just like sent an email to their info at and then nothing. And then an artist they collaborated with on like a big scale. I think they did like a, like an actual apparel collaboration. Um, she posted a thank you. Like they guess they had like a launch party for their collaboration and like tagged everyone. And so I went through all their Instagram tags and just DM'd all of them. And I was like, eh, the likelihood of any of these people getting back to me is low, but shoot your shot. And then one of them did, and she was one of the creative directors or art directors there. She's like, here's my email, like send me a little bio about you and we'll keep you in mind. So that's how I've gotten my few like social-based projects with them, which is really cool. That's Um, awesome. I love, that is some nice hustle. I like that. Yeah. I usually prefer email. Like if I could find a person's email, I'd rather do that than Instagram DM. But in that case, I was just like, I've tried for a year and yeah. I can't get into anyone, so I'm just gonna try this. So what was the first what was the first job you did with them? And were you like pinching yourself through the entire experience? Yeah. So the first one they had um their like perfume in bloom come out and they hired me and like I think like fourteen other female identifying artists and they just wanted us to depict what in bloom meant to us and the only 
limitation was that it had to be an Instagram carousel, so more than one art piece. And that was really fun, just because I took each of the scents and like made a portrait, and then I put all my sketches together to kind of like collage my thought process that led to those portraits. And um, it was just really nice to kind of show the process of making art as kind of like a flower blooming. Oh, that's and beautiful. It was really, so when it went on their Instagram page, I was like, oh my God, all my friends like texted me screenshots. They're like, your artwork's on Gucci. Did you know that? I'm like, well, yeah, I knew. But <laughs> I was like, well, it's cool, right? Um, and, and when so, you were working on it, because it was like such a, like a thing you'd wanted for so long, did you get in your head about it? Like, were you... Were you feeling like, ooh, is this good enough? Or were you just like in a zone and just doing it? No, I was definitely worried. And whenever I get into like a zone of like overanalyzing, I just start drawing and I'm like, I'm not working on this right now. I'm working on my own stuff. And then usually that kind of helps me get into a place where it's like, okay, this is working. I'm actually working on a pretty cool project right now. I'm not too sure when it'll come out. But in the beginning, I was like, struggling and luckily it's a long project so you know you could have time built into struggle but just now it's starting to get to a point where it's like oh I'm just making stuff for myself and you know now it feels it feels like it's working more so I try to do that I try to trick my brain yeah (laughs) that's good and that's such good advice because I find that you know um for years before I realized that you know people everyone gets blocked I thought when I got blocked it meant I wasn't good enough to be an artist you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that everyone gets blocked. And, um, one of the huge insights that came when I wrote my first book, creative block and interviewed all these professional artists about how they deal with it. Um, a bunch of them said, I build in time to be yep. stuck. Yep. Same. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, you're going to be because you're a human. <laughs> yep, exactly. And that was, that felt like a hundred pounds off my shoulders when I heard that, because I was like, Oh wait, this is normal. Like, Everyone gets blocked on whatever they're doing, you know, so if you have to give yourself that slack to know you're not going to know what you're doing, to know that you're going to probably second guess, and so to give yourself something else to do, that's awesome. Yeah, and like, and even for like uh, shorter projects that have like a fast turnaround, like editorial, in that case, like sometimes you're just making something and it has to go live in two days, and you just have to kind of give yourself the permission to be like, not everything I make is going to be the best work, as long as it, you know, serves the brief and like is delivered on time. Like, you know, James Victoria, he always says, done is better than perfect. So <laughs> that's kind of like the second part. Like, I, if I can, I try to build in that time to have a creative block because it's going to happen one way or another. But if it's something where it's like there really is no time for a creative block, it's just kind of being okay with the fact that this might not be your favorite piece and like that's fine. Yeah. I actually find when there is a ton of time, that's when I get blocked. You know, like, like, yeah, like if I have a project where it's like, okay, like, you know, you've got a show opening in six months, make a body of work for this show. And it's like, you've got all this time. And it allows me to second guess myself 12 zillion times because it's like if you've got yeah, something short, true. like you don't have time. It's like, okay, well, I've just got to figure this out and make it. But when you're like, la do do I've got all this yeah. stuff. Like, too, there's just too many options. And so, yeah, you got to figure out a way to like not only rein in your time, um, but also sort of like rein in like, you know, I always say give yourself a sandbox to play in. Like decide mm-hmm. that you're only going to use like the, the risograph thing. Like you can only use three colors. Yeah, like exactly. those, those parameters are kind of yeah. good, you know? 
That was like the beauty of that project too. Cause like I was making, I made, I don't know, like 30 of different like figures like walking. And I was like, my limitations are the shoes are going to be the same. The face, you know, like the face shapes will be the same. What will play will be the physical body, which will kind of represent someone's ideas. And that allowed me to just like really play and not overanalyze because mm-hmm. I know that if I gave myself no parameters, I just like sit at Facebook every day being like, what is life? <laughs> so I like making I like that sandbox analogy that's really that's a really smart way to put it yeah I just otherwise you know it's like you're like a deer in headlights you know when the possibilities are endless like I find when a lot of people get out of school you know in school you're given assignments generally and then you get out and you're like here's a giant white canvas and all the time in the world and it's just like I, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? And especially like with us, like you work in advertising for a long time, you get a brief, and you get a due date, and so there's this instant sandbox. Like, there's this instant set of parameters where you're like, okay, well, I have to, you know, this has to look like Nintendo, or this has to look like Nike, or this has yep. to look like BMW. So I would use their their brand guides to rein myself in, but then I quit to go have my baby and then I was like I want to start making art again and I was like oh there's no brief like there you know and that was what freaked me out and so um you know realizing like if you can set these parameters and if you know if anyone's listening to this and feeling the pandemic funk you know Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I should take my own advice and do this today but like you know I always (laughs) say like pick those three colors or decide exactly like you said, like uh, the feet are always going to be the same or like give yourself those yep. rules and then you can actually, you've got somewhere to eat, start because otherwise where do you even start, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, you know what I want to ask you? I skipped over it in my little list here, but, um, and you don't have to tell us, you know, how the sausage is made, but I'm so curious about <laughs> how you work because I know that, I know that it's part digital, but then I also know, so I was like, what, what, what are these? Are these prints? And then, like, I don't know. What, how do you work? And I guess it's different depending on, like, the risograph thing or whatever. But generally speaking, yeah. what is your process? Yeah, so um, a lot of people ask me this. And I, don't, I, just, I feel like I stumbled on this process just because I grew up right at the beginning of everything being digital. So when I was little, like, we didn't have a computer in our homes until, like, I was, like, maybe, like, 10. So going from zero-ish technology to 10 devices per person, um, <laughs> I, I feel like it felt most natural to have my process be part digital and part analog. So for all my full-color pieces, I um, start off digitally. I use my trackpad on my laptop to tr- draw out, like, different forms, and, like, I'll use the, like, outline um, tracer tool, I forget what that's called, the, like, marquee select tool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Make really abstracted shapes, and then I'll block in colors and shapes to create a form, and it's really nice because it starts off very abstract, and to me, it kind of feels like painting, but it's done digitally, so I'm, like, really able to experiment, and if it fails, I could delete it and, you know, not have to worry about, like, wasting anything, so... Um, once the digital composition feels good, I'll then print it out on a laser jet printer. And I like laser jet because it really gives a nice texture to the piece. It alters the color in a way that I find that's really interesting. The errors on it, I think, really speak to the idea that there is no such thing as perfection. And once that's printed, I'll print like one or two of them. And then I'll add details on top with ink. So I use... Mm 
brush pens. So I use Prismacolor brush pens. And sometimes the detail is something as simple as the eyes. I always do the eyes by hand, and um, which I haven't really given much thought as to why, but you know, one day I'll know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like other details, like if there's like nails or if there's like a pattern, like that's where I'll add in those additional ornaments um, with the ink. And then if it's a, you know, client project where I'm sharing it online, then I scan it back in, um, oh. to have the digital version of it. So I really like that process just because it feels most authentic to me. I feel like it gives a nice timestamp as to when I was making this work and like when I was alive and how like I've kind of lived through the transition of more analog into a very digital life. So mm-hmm. that's a lot That is really cool. Thank you for explaining that because I was trying to figure it out and I could not. Yeah, and that's that's always the fun part too because people are like, "Did you paint this?" And I was like, "Oh God, no!" I was like, "You, you, if you go on my Instagram, you could see what's fully done by hand, and then what's done with both. Like, I can't paint a color that even. Like, if you look at yeah. the walls of my apartment; they're not even that evenly painted." <laughs> So I was like, no, no, no. I know. That's, that's what I was looking at. I'm like, is that gouache? But there's not a brush stroke to be seen. But then you can see that the inky part is, you can tell that it's analog. Inky, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. And then I saw the Facebook stuff and I was like, oh, Rizograph. So are the other ones print? Anyway, that's why you're on the yeah. podcast. I was like, I need to get to the bottom of all of this. Yeah. So now and I know. And hopefully, like, um, once we're out of quarantine, I would love to make bigger pieces where, like, all those, I'd have to save up some money, but, like, all those colors are screen printed on a canvas. And then I ink the details with hand, like, larger scale version of my process, because I think that could translate really well, too. So, one day. I was going to ask if you went to visit your um, mural at Warby Parker in Boston. I did. So ironically, the weekend that mural went up, we had already, my parents and I had already planned to see my brother because he goes to BU yeah. now med school. And I was like, we're going to the Morby <laughs> Parker store. So I was like that crazed person on their like opening day that was like, I made that. And they were all very nice. And they like fed into my ego and they gave me free sunglasses and it was a great day. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. You could you could window shop, and you still didn't need money. They gave you glasses. I know. I was like, I was like, are you sure you don't have to do that? And I was like, I already got a gift card for regular glasses. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'll give you sunglasses. And I was like, wow, thanks. <laughs> this is did, so nice. Did you take your picture in front of the mural? Oh yeah, yeah, several. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I wanted to know, like, um, I mean, it's weird now with quarantine and stuff, but. Are you working on anything now or do you have projects that are waiting or are are you just kind of in limbo? What's going on over there? I definitely say a little bit more of limbo. I had a lot of like travel based projects get canceled, rightfully so. Um, So that kind of threw me into a loop. And then like a lot of bigger projects either just got put on hold or got dropped. So that was definitely tough. Um, So in the beginning, I pivoted to just selling the work that I did have and like promoting my print shop. I luckily had a happy socks sock collaboration come out that was planned to come out already. So I kind of leaned into selling those. And I also had a Skillshare class that came out a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now. That was also pre-planned. So that was really serendipitous to kind of have these like additional revenue streams kind of help support the losses that I took from just everything being canceled. And then being able to do like smaller, either like one-off social media projects or editorial projects have been really helpful as well. And then that one bigger project that I've been working on for the last few months 
um, it's not going to be, it probably won't be out for a while. So I'll circle back with you when it comes out. That okay. has been really helpful too, to be able to have that. Uh, but yeah, definitely I panicked. I was like for the first like three or four weeks out of the last seven, I panicked. Um, but luckily um, for those that are listening that uh, either work for themselves or um, have a small business in the United States, there's the payroll protection plan that you can apply for and it counts for people that work for themselves, whether you have an LLC or you're just um, a independent contractor. And if you use it to pay yourself, you can get a lot of it forgiven. So that's, that was very helpful to get that too. It took, oh. a, it took a lot of work to apply for it, but I had the time. So. Oh, that's good. What's it called? Um, it's called the Payroll Protection Plan. It's PPP. Okay. Um, and I applied through, you can apply through your local bank or um, I just use PayPal. PayPal is one of the bigger ones that you could just apply online. Okay, that's um, good to know. Yeah, and like I, they re-upped the amount of money that they were giving out twice. I don't know if they'll do it again, but um, that just it kind of was like a sigh of relief. We're like, okay, I'm, I can buy myself some time and like not worry too much about yeah. trying to scramble to find work, especially where a lot of places are shut down. So. Yeah, nice to have a little bit of relief. Like that's the that's so the crazy thing about this, like just everybody experiencing this in different ways. And yeah, some people are it's like we're really lucky in that my husband can keep working. Um, he works for an ad agency in Toronto, so he's always been remote. So like that's awesome. Yeah, so it's like he continues on, which is like phew, but like all my stuff got cancelled. Um yeah, yeah so it's yeah it's such a weird time um you know what's so funny is you and I have overlapped so many a times lot. recently <laughs> yeah so we both the small talks thing with the Brooklyn Art Library yeah. I think I was on Tuesday and you were on Wednesday or something yeah. and then I, I just was what was that like, I think I was on Wednesday. Yeah. It was like a lifetime ago. I, do, I know, doesn't it? And, but then, and then I just did a Skillshare class um, that comes out in June. Um, oh, watch. Yeah, well, that one was crazy because I was in New York March 4th through 8th shooting that. Oh, my God. And while I was there, um, we were, we rented this place in um, Brooklyn to shoot it. So we're at this apartment shooting it. And, um the Skillshare team is getting notifications from their office saying, okay, um, starting to, um, and they were like, what? And we were still shooting that we were doing B-roll the next day. And so they're like, okay, well, and at that time, everybody was like, this is crazy. Like, you know, it was just, it was so weird to be there where notifications were starting to come, but also nobody was really taking it seriously. No, and like I look back at that time, I'm like, Amber, you were so dumb. How did you not realize this was going to happen? I know, but everyone was. Like everyone was so naive to it. And and uh, I remember thinking, I want to get the hell out of here. Um, but at the yeah. same time, like every, it was just business as usual. I was staying at the Ace and like I went down to like the coffee place and it's just packed with people and like, yep. you know, it was just, and I, I ended up getting sick when I got home and I was <gasps> like... Yeah, and I kind of, I think I had, I feel like I'm like 90% that I had it because like, mm -hmm. like 10 days later I had a fever and the tight chest and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. um, but at the time it even still seemed like that's, I'm just being dramatic. There's no way I have this, you know, but I probably did in hindsight, that's you know, wild. I know. And, yeah. uh, but to be there at that moment, anyway, it's just so funny because as soon as I finished shooting, they did the B-roll the next day. 
they were like, oh, everybody's done. So they haven't shot another one since, <laughs> since mine. So I was in touch uh. with the, the editor and stuff. And we were like, this is so weird. Like we just squeaked it in. And then everything else I had after that got canceled. That's so weird and then yeah, when, like, and then we had showfields overlap too and then you yes. were on the showfields list and I was like I feel like the universe is saying you guys have to talk to each other yes it made me so happy I was like ooh, and then especially like oh do you want to come on my podcast I was like yes please <laughs> <laughs> no this is so good and I'm so excited that I have an excuse to like post all this stuff in a big giant post along with them with the podcast so um I've had you on here for an hour so I'm gonna let you go but we have to do the not-so-speedy speed round. Yes. I'm excited for this. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. There's only four questions. It's pretty quick. Okay. Well, <laughs> in theory. Okay. One, coffee or tea? Coffee, for yes. sure. Uh, yeah. High five. Coffee in the morning, tea at night. <laughs> okay. What kind of tea? Um, I've been having green tea or ginger. Oh, nice. I like a mint tea, but I'm, when I'm having the tea, I'm always sad that it's not coffee. Yeah, same. But if I have coffee before bed, I won't go to sleep. <laughs> I can drink an espresso at 10 and go to bed. <gasps> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I don't know. It's like my superpower. I don't know. It's it's pretty happy about it, actually. Um, okay, plants. Because there's lots of plants in, in your work. Do you kill them or do they thrive? Usually they thrive. However, we've had a few like smaller trees I guess if you will like taller plants and for whatever reason those have always eventually died I think it's just because I would like buy them at, at like the Home Depot not really check them out before I would like bring them home and for whatever either they were spiked or not so I would say like to keep them alive for the most part so it's like keeps alive asterisks. Like we okay. have an orchid, we have an orchid that just bloomed. We have an amaryllis plant that just bloomed. So I'm like, okay, like I'm not bad. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not bad. That's what I'm gonna say. I just <laughs> killed my jade plant of eight years. I killed. I overwatered our our jade plant. I think we had it like for a year or two, and I was like, oh no, looking sad. Give it more water. And then it, it was like, no. I know. It's so counterintuitive. Oh, yes. I know. No, that's, I know. Yeah. Don't overwater. Just let it be. Root rot. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do? Exactly. Um, okay. This is a two-parter. A, did you go to your high school prom? Yes. B, what did you wear? What did you uh, uh, <laughs> So my dress, I think my parents still have it. I'm like, it was cute, but I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. It was like a light, it's going to sound worse than it is, but it's not <laughs> It was um, a strapless, like, light blue floor-length dress with black lace on top. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then um, I brought, so my neighbor, Kelly, she, she and I grew up, like, next door to each other. And she ended up going to um, the private high school in town. So, like, everyone in our grade knew her. They just hadn't seen her in a long time. And I think it was my, that was that junior year? It been junior senior year. I might be mixing up my proms, but um, I was like, Kelly, do you want to come? And she's like, oh, that'd be awesome. And everyone like loved to see her just because I hadn't seen her since like eighth grade. So it was really fun for like all of us to hang out. Did, were you, was she your date? Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about the grads, the 2020 grads. I feel so bad for them. I have lots of friends whose kids are graduating this year and it's like, 
their grad year, it, it's such a ripoff. It really is. Like, this should be, like, I had so much fun the last couple of months of, of my last year and, like, prom and all the parties and, you know, and they're just not getting that and it makes me feel sad. So I was thinking about that and I thought, I'm not going to ask people what they wore to prom. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I know, like, because, like, people have been saying to me, like, oh, man, you turned 30 during the quarantine. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, you get a birthday every year, you know? Yeah. And, like, a milestone birthday, like, 30, 40, 50, like, that, those are going to come. But, like, you know, you don't really get to do the prom thing as an adult. Yeah, <laughs> so. no kidding. Well, I was just talking, I'm doing this project with a teacher in New Jersey. He's so awesome. And he um, was just talking to his um, seniors yesterday. And I guess they're going to try and do like a prom or a grad in August, like July or August, so that they That's still nice. get something. So they're, they're trying yeah. to, to make it happen, but um, hopefully they will. My son's graduating from middle school and uh, he could care less that there's no, like <laughs> all the girls like, in his grade are so bummed and he's just like I don't care and uh, I, I kind of do I wanted photo ops but anyway yeah, yeah. anyway hopefully uh, hopefully he'll get a actual grad and there won't be killer wasps or, or a pandemic yes. um, okay final question if you could go anywhere right now Walk out your door, go to an airport, whatever you want to do. Where would you go? I would go see my parents. Oh. I like, um, we FaceTime every day, but it's been kind of, I like to go visit them often because they're not very far, but that's where I would go first. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully you'll get to do that soon. I know. Like we did, we had my dad's 60th birthday over Zoom. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So, like, he turns 60, my mom turns 59 in a few weeks, and then they're probably not thrilled that I share their ages, but it's fine. <laughs> Age is a construct, and then I turn 30 on June 3rd, so eventually, we'll probably all celebrate it on my brother's birthday in October. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, thank you so much. This was so fun getting to know you and to hear all the ins and outs, and um, hopefully, um, when the world is normal and next time I'm in New York, um, whenever that might be, um, we should actually get together and go for a coffee, Yay. not a tea. That would be awesome. That would be Hopefully great. sooner rather than later. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, good luck. And, um, oh, one thing else I was going to ask you, speaking of birthdays and stuff, um, this isn't interrupting your wedding plans, is it? A little bit. Oh. <laughs> Um, so we're, we, our wedding was going to be pretty simple. We were going to do city hall on August 28th and that would just be with our parents. Dave has a brother. I have a brother, my brother's girlfriend. Um, so it's nine people total. So it might oh, happen. That, it just, yeah. yeah, but it might not happen at city hall just cause city hall will, when they open up, will probably be appointment only. And I know there'll be like a race to the altar type right, of message. Right. So I'm trying to come up with like backup plans of like do we just like hire an efficient and go in central park like then you can get a permit for different places in central park that are pretty affordable so um that's it altered a little bit and then our big like lunch in with all of our extended family is slated for september 26th but that might have to be pushed out but that's right. one of those things that that restaurant is closed right now so it's kind of like i'm not going to worry about it until they open up again yeah no yeah because <laughs> why why there's like yeah. it's just pointless worry <laughs> and, and anxiety for anxiety's sake 
Well, I hope that all works out. And um, you. you know what? Maybe it'll be a silver lining. Maybe you'll find somewhere even more wonderful than City Hall. And, and it'll be mm -hmm. like, thank goodness this happened. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for, too. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. And um, let's keep in touch. And um, I can't wait to put this big, beautiful pink post together. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Ah, so good. Oh, man, I sure hope her wedding plans really do end up with a gigantic silver lining around them. Thank you so much to Amber for doing this with me. Now we can officially say our paths met up, instead of just randomly crossing here and there on the interweb. And, of course, as always, thank you for listening. Now, there are two more episodes coming up over the next two weekends before this season wraps. Don't worry, though. I am just going to take the summer to recharge, and I will be back in September with a bunch of new interviews, because I am way too close to 200 episodes to stop now. Anyway, all of that to say, there will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.